Good morning. Hey, it's good to see all of you. Am I turned on here? Check, check, test. All right. Good to see all of you this morning and Happy New Year. So good to see all of us together the first Sunday. You know, do y'all realize that it'll be either 11 or 13 years from now before Christmas and New Year's fall on a Sunday? And, and I just love the fact that we got to spend the Lord's Day or Christmas. Christmas fell on the Lord's Day and we got to be together in that New Year's falls on the Lord's Day, and we get to be, get, be together. We get to start, you know, we end the year, um, Christmas Day in the Lord's house. We begin the year in the Lord's house. And I am so grateful for that. I'm glad you're here. Uh, and that it's a priority for you uh, to follow Scripture and to be in the Lord's house this day. Before we go any farther, would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Father, we are grateful for this new day, January 1st, 2023. And it's a day that was not promised to any of us, but here we are. The sun came up. Uh, We put our our feet on the floor. Um, We got to enjoy friends and family today. Uh, We're here uh, in this place to worship and, and to glorify and honor you. And Lord, we are just so incredibly grateful thankful, blessed, beyond all measure. Lord, we pray that as we enter into this new year, that it would be a year marked by your glory, not by our doings, but by your doings, not by our wisdom, but by your wisdom. We pray, God, that you would challenge each and every one of us uh, to love you more, to love neighbor more, uh, to be devoted in what you've called us to be and to do for your glory. Lord, help us as a church to grow in ways that are in line with your will, that we would both grow numerically as you add to our membership um, and then also add to the kingdom uh, with lost people uh, coming into the kingdom. We also pray, God, that you would add to our church um, those that uh, they, they don't know you at all. So, Father, we pray that you do in and through us exceedingly, abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. Father, help us at the end of this year, we turn around and look behind, uh, that we will see more of you than we do of of ourselves. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Just a few things to bring to your attention from our bulletin. Uh, First of all, our business meeting is next Sunday night at 6.30 p.m., uh, and the agenda for that is posted in the foyer. So if you'll please take a look at that. There are some things on there I want you to be aware of. Uh, so if you'll please um, take a look at that. If there's any, any item of business that you might need to add to uh, the business meeting, if you'll just talk to me before Wednesday. Um, also, tonight, and I hope that you have been able to purchase this, but we're going to begin a, a study of Ed Welch's book, Side by Side. Walking with Others in Wisdom and Love. I've already gotten feedback from someone who's gotten the book and begun and maybe read it all the way through. Uh, but the chapters are short, um, easy to understand, and um, just have no doubt that this is going to be beneficial to us as a church. So buy the book. There's also a, a, a study, uh, study guide online, and you could probably just do an internet search for side-by-side um, study guide, and I'll try to remember to put something on Facebook so you can find it as well. Um, it's not required, but um, be good for you to have. <clears throat> so we look forward to doing that, uh, starting that tonight. Also, finally, um, we have um, one more month of giving toward our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And you notice in the bulletin it says that our goal is 6500 and we've given 5100 And that's a great start uh, with a month to go in our giving. So if you haven't had the opportunity to give, please pray and ask the Lord how he might lead you to give. Uh, any other announcements we need to make at this time? Sir, huh? you have an announcement. Yes, sir. Um, if you notice on the back there, there's the gold box. Um, it's been put out uh, for Brother Shannon and his family as a, just a love offering 
kind of a Christmas present, but it's just wanted to point it out to people that it's back there. So thank you. We're also embarking on something else as we begin this year. I'd like for you to stand uh, and we are going to begin memorizing as a church one verse per Sunday. And our verse this Sunday is Joshua 1.9. Now, if you notice in the top right, there's that little symbol there. That symbol is fighter verses. There's an app on, on uh, your, you can get on either of your phones, whether you're an Apple person or you're one of those other people, and, and you can find the app for fighter verses. And uh, we're in year three, and this is week one. And so each week there will be a new verse. And you can use that app in order to practice the verse. It's got some ways to help you remember it. I'm not going to harp on this in weeks to come. I just wanted you to be aware of that. So for our call to worship and to begin our journey of memorizing Scripture, committing it to heart together, let's read this together. This is in the English Standard Version. If you want to memorize it in a different version, you're welcome to do so. Let's read this together. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's worship the Lord together.
seated. If we could have the children come forward for the children's sermon. to see you guys this morning. What is today? New Year's Eve? New Year's Day? I have big ears? Well, there's a reason for that. Today is the first day of the year, isn't it? And you guys, I, I think you guys are so smart. In fact, I know you are, that I decided this would be the perfect day for you guys to start learning Hebrew. What do you think? How about if we learn one word today? Okay? Okay. Um, the first word I want to teach you is the word for hear or listen. Does that give you an idea why? Do you know what the word is? Anybody? The word in Hebrew is Shema. Can you say that? Let me hear you. Shema. There you go. You already know one word in Hebrew. Say it again. Shema. Okay, I found this word in the Old Testament and the New Testament. When Moses was telling all the Israelites, God's chosen people, um, he was reminding them of everything they had been through, coming through the wilderness, escaping Egypt, and they were getting ready to go in the promised land. <laughs> and so he reminded them of everything that God had told him to write down. On Remember those stone tablets? What are this? What's this? The Ten Commandments. So Moses was reminding the Israelites of all of the laws that he had given them. And so we have, you, you guys have heard these Ten Commandments, right? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Honor thy father and mother. Thou shalt not kill. You're familiar with these, right? Well, one day long time after Moses reminded the Israelites of these rules that God had given them to live by, Jesus was talking to some religious leaders one day. They were called Sadducees. And they didn't really believe that our bodies were going to be resurrected. They didn't really believe in angels. They, they looked at the first five books. We call it the Pentateuch, Moses' Law in the Old Testament. But these guys, the Sadducees, um, were actually they started arguing with Jesus. And so there was another group of people nearby called scribes. And that wasn't like the Pharisees or the Sadducees, like a religious group. They, it was like a profession. Scribes wrote down, they copied scripture. And if you sat all day long, every day, and copied every word of scripture, you'd know it pretty well, wouldn't you? Um, so the scribes heard Jesus arguing with the Sadducees, and they, they thought, man, this guy really is a great teacher. So they said to Jesus, which one of these do you think is the greatest commandment? And do you know what he said? He said the Shema. He quoted the Shema to him. Uh, here it is. Here. Here. That word Shema. Here, O Israel. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. And he said, um, you should love the Lord your God with all your strength and all your heart, with all your might. Remember that one? Remember that verse? So 
when Moses was reminding everybody of all the laws, and Jesus said, this is the greatest law. He quoted Moses. Moses went on to say, teach these rules to your children and your grandchildren. You should tape them on your head. Walk around with them on your forehead. Bind them on your hand. Does everybody have one? Okay. Um, and remember these laws, these rules that I have given you to live by. And so I wanted you to have a copy of the, what is this called? Shema. And what does it mean? Hear. Hear. Listen. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is our God. The Lord is one. So if you want to take this home and tape it on your doorpost, the frame around your door so that you see it every time you come in and come out, or if you want to wrap it around your hand and tie a, put a rubber band around it, or if you want to tape it on your forehead, put it somewhere, put it on the front of the refrigerator. That would be the modern day version. And remember, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you um, for this reminder from you through Moses, through Jesus Christ, that you are our God. You alone are God. Father, go with us throughout this week, throughout this year. Help us, Lord, as we look at today as a new beginning. Father, thank you for this word. Hear, listen. Father, we praise you with all our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. would please stand. Oh, I'm sorry. It's all right. But we can stand honoring the reading of God's word. That's right. Mary Catherine told me this morning she could use me as a prop because of my floppy ears. <laughs> Uh, this morning, the scripture reading is from Deuteronomy, uh, chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes, and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. <clears throat> Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Uh, page 301.
just need our ushers to come forward while you're being seated. Those of you who are helping us this morning. All right, let's pause for a word of prayer. Father, we again are so grateful for how you have dumped blessings into our lap. And out of the overflow of our heart, Lord, we gladly give back to you. And we pray that the money that's given would be stewarded well and that your kingdom would be uh, influenced and grown through it. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 12. I'm going to begin a sermon series this morning, and I can't tell you how long it's going to last. The Lord will let us know when it's over, uh, but it's going to be called Love the Lord Your God, and uh, This morning has no subtitle, but in weeks to come, they will have subtitles as we uh, kind of lay the foundation today of loving the Lord your God, uh, and then from there, fleshing out what does this mean for us to love the Lord uh, with all that we are, and to love our neighbor as ourself. Hopefully, you brought your copy of God's Word with you. If you didn't, there's a black Bible in the pew. Turn to the back, find page 38, 
and you'll be in the right spot. On this new year, when, when better to, to have a new habit become a part of your life and you bring your Bible to church, your copy of God's Word to church every Sunday. Walk through the door with it. Shake it in my face and say, I brought it this week. You stop nagging me. But um, I can't express enough how important it is for you to have a copy of God's Word in your hands while whoever fills this pulpit preaches. Because if what is said from this pulpit does not line up with Scripture, as a church, you've got a duty to show that person uh, the door or to offer some correction or both. Would you please stand for the reading of God's Word? This is Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 34. This is God's Word. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, he asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. The scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared ask him any more questions. Let's pray. Father, help us to understand your word. This seems to be very clear. Lord, if there's any misunderstanding, clarify it for us. And Lord, for the express purpose that we might walk in its truth for your glory. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. The context of this morning um, is has already been shared with you. No, we didn't plan that. Um, but in, in, if you read the previous verses in Mark chapter 12, you'll find that these Sadducees, and Mary Catherine mentioned that they don't believe in the resurrection. That's why they're sad, you see. That the reason, uh, and they were actually disputing with Jesus about if a man is, is given in marriage and he, and he has uh, no children, produces no children, and, and, and so he dies and, and the wife takes another husband, and this happens on and on and on, uh, who's, uh, you know, who will be married in the afterlife? And, and, and Jesus says, you guys just don't know what you're talking about. Um, and so Jesus answered them wisely. And that's when the scribe who is, who is in the vicinity Here's Jesus talking uh, and, and, and seeing that, and, and verse 28 calls it a dispute. Uh, and that was, unfortunately, the attitude, uh, the disposition that was often the case between Jesus and religious leaders. They were just so far off base that Jesus had to love his father well and confront them and set them straight. And so the scribe, here's Jesus answer uh, well this imaginary situation and he comes to Jesus uh, and asks just what is a sincere question which commandment is most important of all this is a very good question Now, Mary Catherine mentioned ten commandments but if you total up all of the commandments in the first five books of the Bible you will find that there's 613 of them and this scribe since he wrote the Bible, uh, you know, cop made copies of the Bible, not changing it, but just making copies of it. As he did that, of course, he would know uh, the law very, very well. And so he asked us a, ser- a sincere question. Which one of these 613 is the most important? Because often the scribes, Pharisees, religious leaders, they would categorize some of these commandments into this is a heavier commandment. In other words, you really need to make sure and get this one right. And then there's lighter commandments, which I guess you didn't have to pay as much attention to. That doesn't make any sense to me. But anyway, 
There's 613 of these, Jesus. Which one's the most important? Now, isn't this a great text for the first Sunday of 2023? When many of us, and hopefully, hopefully all of us, are thinking about spiritual health and about making changes and commitments in order to grow spiritually. You might be saying, I, I want to pray more. I want to read my Bible more. In fact, I, I think, Pastor, for the first time in my life, I want to read the Bible all the way through. I want to go on a mission trip. I don't know if our church is going to do one, but I want to go on a mission trip. I, I, want, to, I want to start journaling about what God is doing in my life so that years to come I can look back and, and have a record of His faithfulness. I want to witness to my unsaved friend, my, my neighbor, my family member. I want to be more consistent in my attendance of Sunday school and church. I, I want to serve more. I want to put my phone down and turn off my television and be present with my family and, and love the Lord in that way. I've, I've had, I, there's a sin I've been struggling with. I want to, I want to muster all of my effort to killing that sin. Maybe I just mentioned one of the things that is on your heart that you want to do. In fact, you might, this is, I did plan this. Didn't plan the children's sermon lining up with this. But there is a bulletin insert. And it's 10 questions to ask at the start of a new year or on your birthday. And I put this in here so that in addition to what we're talking about this morning from Mark chapter 12, you might find something here that would trigger, and the Lord might use this and this morning's sermon to lead you on a path in 2023 that maybe you didn't anticipate, but you know you're looking to grow deeper in your faith. Jonathan Edwards wrote another a book that's similar to this. It's got 70 resolutions in it, things that he resolved that he was going to grow in the Lord in this way. I invite you to get this. It's, it's really good. Don't think of sinners in the hands of an angry God, Jonathan Edwards. This is not that sinners in the hand of an angry God is not good, but this is excellent. But one caution for us that Jesus gave to the scribe and applies also to us. Both the scrupulous scribe and the committed Christian desire to be on the right path, doing the right things for the right reasons. Each aims to be disciplined and committed, but both need the wisdom that Christ gives. And this is what he shares. Love God and love others. Love God and love others. So Jesus commands love. Now this commandment in and of itself it teaches us something about God and it teaches us something about ourselves. First of all, it teaches us about ourselves that since we are made in God's image and God is love, And due to the fact that Jesus commands us to love, it then follows that human beings were created by God with the capacity to love Him. Now, of course, we understand that 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 capacity is, is, is broken by sin. And unless your heart is reborn, you have no capacity to love God. You are dead in trespasses and sin. It is not a possibility for you to love the Lord unless your heart is made new. So this command teaches us that we are made in God's image and we are capable of love. But furthermore, it means that God is capable of receiving human love. Now before we go any further, I think we'd all agree, I'm just going to agree for you, I think we would all agree that we need to define Love, Because we live in a time where the word love is one of the more fluid words of our day. It can have nearly any meaning anyone wants to ascribe to it. In fact, one of the more popular definitions of love is love is love. If you are loving someone, then that is love. And so it makes it completely subjective. And it's grounded in midair. Nothing to it. The biblical word that we're going to focus on, the one that's in the text, is, is, the, is the Greek word you're learning Hebrew and Greek on the first day of the new year. You're getting off to a great start. The, the Greek word is agapao. It's one of four Greek words that are used 
to, to say love, to say the word love. There's agape, which is, I'll read the definition in a moment. There's philia, which is brotherly love. Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. There's eros, which is romantic love. And there's storge. Storge is never used in the Bible. Not even sure the nuance of that. But the ones that are used most prominently in the New Testament are agape and philia. Now agape, agapao, means <clears throat> to show love and affection based on deep appreciation and high regard. Now I want you to notice something. Here it is others focused. It's others focused. It puts others ahead of self. That's why it fits this particular use. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I found this in a commentary. It said, in the New Testament, people are never commanded to love one another with philia, with brotherly love. It doesn't say that you can't. It just says you're never commanded to. In the New Testament, people are commanded to love each other only with agape, only with others-centered, others-focused love. Now, you recall... You've probably heard this in a sermon at some point where, where Christ um, reconciled, he brings Peter back. You know, Peter denied Christ three times. And, and, and when he did, he ran away. And, and, uh, and so Jesus restored him to fellowship. And you've probably heard a, a pastor say, you know, because Jesus says this, Peter, do you, do you agape me? And Peter says, I, I, I fillet, philia you. And they'll make a distinction there. And there may really not be a distinction there. Philia is likely to focus on love or affection based on some sort of interpersonal relationship. But agape focuses on love and affection based on deep appreciation and high regard. That's why many people will say when we are commanded to love God and to love one another, it doesn't use the word philia. It uses the word agape. Okay? Now, I need to take this one step further. Jesus not only commands love, he commands love and holiness. It's not an either or. Jesus in no way told the scribe, keep this one commandment and forget all the rest. Just kick the rest to the curb. Just focus on loving God and forget about holiness. No, that's not what happened. The, the scribe asked a question about a commandment, and Jesus responded with a commandment. Now, Jesus, in John chapter 14 and 15, listen to what he says about how love and holiness are bound together. He says in John 14, 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Commandments that have to do with holiness. John 14, 21. Whoever has my commandments, he it is who loves me. I'm sorry. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. John 15, 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. 1 John 5, 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. So Jesus is not dispensing holiness and just saying love. He's telling us, he's commanding us, in fact, to love. And love motivates us we pull John's uh, admonitions or Christ's admonitions in John. If we pull these in, when Christ commands us to love, then, then it's love for God, love for Christ that motivates us to keep the commandments. And it's the commandments that move us toward holiness. So Jesus commands love and holiness, but Jesus also in the text, he takes it a step further. It's something that is, is um, in the Old Testament. Uh, we found this in, you know, Mary Catherine uh, touched on it. Eddie read it in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's here in Mark 12. Jesus commands exclusive love for God. If you look in the text, <clears throat> verse 29, Jesus answered, 
the most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. All right? And then I'm going to read the first part of verse 30. You shall love the Lord your God. And I'm going to stop right there. Uh, it's not in the, in the ESV, which is what you saw on the screen, but if you have a New American Standard, it's likely that the word Lord is in all caps. And, and when you find the word Lord in all caps, it refers to God's covenant name. All right, so Jesus is saying, don't just love anyone. Love the God who brought you into covenant with himself. Think of it like a marriage. Don't commit adultery. He's your one and only God. So love the Lord your God exclusively. No one else. This is what got Israel in trouble. When they began to love other gods in addition to Yahweh. But Jesus also says, notice he says, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is speaking of the uniqueness of God. The scribe helps us to kind of understand what that, what that phrase, the Lord is one, what that phrase actually means. Skip down to verse 32. He says, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other besides him. There is no other God beside God. And on top of that, he is the only being, the only thing worthy of exclusive love. Isaiah chapter 40. I want you to listen to this, that, that Isaiah describes this God whom, to whom we owe all of our allegiance and our exclusive love. Who has measured the water in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span and closed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Who has measured the spirit of the Lord or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Those are all questions. Rhetorical questions with the understood answer of no one. Behold, the nations, they're like a drop from a bucket. And are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he, God, takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are less than they are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. To whom will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare with him? An idol? A craftsman cast it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and cast it for, for silver chains. He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. And its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. It's he who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in. It's he who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown. Scarcely has their stem taken root on the earth when he blows on them and they wither. And the tempest carries them off like stubble. And then God asked, To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Have you not known? Have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He does not grow faint or weary. His, in, his understanding is unsearchable. Christians, this is our God. 
This is our beloved. It's the one who brought us into covenant with him. And it is to him that we owe all our allegiance and all our love. He is the only one worthy of exclusive love. Now you know what that means for us. The early church father, Origen, put it this way. He says, when you decide to keep this command, to love this God exclusively, And reject all other gods and lords and have no other God or Lord except the one Lord, God and Lord. You have declared war on all others without treaty. Christian, what do you need to declare war on to love God exclusively? Only you can answer that. But you can't offer a peace treaty. You must declare war. Non-Christian, you are not in covenant with God. And you can neither receive His covenant love, nor can you obey Christ's commandment to love. You are dead in your trespasses and sins. And before you are able to love this God exclusively, you must have a new heart. You must be born again. Finally, Jesus commands love. He commands love and holiness. He commands exclusive love for God. And finally, he commands all-inclusive love for God. Notice what Jesus says. Verse 30. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. In other words, he's saying you are to love God exclusively with all that you are, and with all that you have. Now we're in the, in the coming Sundays, until the Lord shuts this sermon series down, we're going to endeavor as a church to learn what it means, scripturally, practically, not just pie-in-the-sky stuff that sounds good, but pastor, I don't know how to do that. No, we want to take the good stuff and drop it in your lap to where you go, this is good, I can do this. With the Lord's help. We want to have biblical basis and practical considerations for how we can love God in this way. Now notice, Jesus says, I I command you to give God all-inclusive love. All that you are. But what Jesus puts into that boundary of all-inclusive love is not just loving God. It's loving God. Our neighbor as ourself. It's not both and it's both and it's not either or. We love God and we love neighbor. It's both and it's not either or. This is something that Jesus came down hard on to religious leaders. In Mark chapter 7, these religious leaders, they had this, I don't know where they got this. They had this idea in their head. You know, they had aging parents, ailing parents that needed help. And instead of giving to these parents the help that they needed, the material help they needed, they said, what I would give you, I'm going to give to God. I've set this apart for God. And Jesus said, you've totally missed the mark. You love God by loving your neighbor. And aren't your parents your neighbors? He said, you just missed it. You can also think, of another illustration of how love for God and love for neighbor is both and, not either or. In Luke chapter 10, the parable of the Good Samaritan, another religious leader comes up and tells and says to Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And it says in the text that this, this religious leader seeking to justify himself asks the question, who's my neighbor? Jesus didn't give him a direct answer. He told him a parable about a guy who was traveling down to Jericho, fell among thieves, got robbed, beaten, left for dead. And here come these two religious leaders walking down this same road. And they prioritize love for God over love for neighbor. Not understanding. It's not an either or. It's a both and. And they walked on the other side of the road. To avoid this person, lest that person contaminate them in some way and prohibit them from being able to do their job as religious leaders. Two of them did. 
One person was a neighbor, though. And it was the most unlikely person of all. It was a Samaritan. Jews and Samaritans, they were like Indians and visitors. I mean, it was, it was kind of that some tension. And the Samaritan comes by and he acts like a neighbor. He takes care of this man. He makes sure that he's taken care of. He pays to have him, him looked after. And he comes back by. He says, I'm going to be back by doing business later on. And, and if there's anything that, 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 if you go into, if you spend more money than what I've given you, I'll, I'll make it right. And then Jesus turns to this religious leader who's trying to make love of God and love of neighbor and either or. And he says, so which of these acted like a neighbor? And the guy says, the one who showed mercy. Jesus was trying to get him to see. Love of God and love of neighbor, they're not exclusive. And unless you love God and neighbor, the kingdom of God is far away. Look, look what Jesus says in verse 34. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, you know, because the scribe says, you're right, teacher. Can you imagine telling Jesus you're right? But he does. You're right, teacher. You have truly said he is one and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And Jesus says, you get it. You're not far from the kingdom of God. And to realize that unless we love God and neighbor together, not either or, both and, the kingdom is far away. Pillar Commentary puts it this way. It takes both commandments to realize the one will of God. Both commandments to realize the one will of God. As we come to a time of response, um, I, I genuinely desire that this be a time of response for you. That that you might say, Lord, how can I love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? I want to read the first two resolutions of John, Jonathan Edwards. They're not New Year's resolutions because he, he, he would read them every week. He says this, Being sensible that I am unable to do anything without God's help, I do humbly entreat him by His grace, to enable me to keep these resolutions so far as they are agreeable to His will, for Christ's sake. Resolved that I will do whatsoever I think to be most to God's glory and to my own good profit and pleasure in the whole of my duration, without any consideration of the time, whether now or in myriads of ages hence. Resolved to do whatever I think to be my duty and most for the good and advantage of mankind in general. Listen to this final statement. Resolve to do this. Whatever difficulties I meet with, however so many, and however so great. Friends, if we're going to keep that resolution, what he added to the end, we've got to be prepared for. Because Satan hates the fact that some of us are sitting here, and hopefully all of us, saying, I want to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and I want to love my neighbor as myself. He's going to be on you like a duck on a June bug. Just get ready for it. But be resolved, as Edwards was, whatever difficulties you meet with, however so many and however so great, it won't change your resolve. And listen to the second resolution. He says, and this has... This connects to the first resolution. He says, resolved to be continually endeavoring to find out some new invention and contrivance to promote the aforementioned things. In other words, he says, I want to do, if there's something that will help me. You notice in the, in the first resolution, it was love God and love neighbor. It was in there. He says, whatever the Lord can bring across my path to help me do this, I'm resolved to do it. I want to lead us in a time of prayer because I don't know what sort of, of, of decision that, that you need to make or what sort of response you need to make. And so I just want to pray for you. I want to pray for us. Um, 
Because I, I know there are serious people in this room. That they've, they've heard what Christ has said today and have said, I, sign me up. I'm ready. And I just want to pray. I want to pray that that would be all of us. And I want to pray that the Lord blesses your efforts. Let's pray. Father, you know the heart of each person here. And that's a scary thing for some because they're sitting there holding on to their sin. They're sitting there thinking, is, should, should I give, should I repent of my sin and give my life to the Lord? Should I become a Christian? Lord, knowing their heart, would you, would you reassure them right now that all that, he, that you call to yourself, you're not going to turn away. Those that turn from sin and repent and put their faith and trust in you, you're going to accept. And Lord, for others of us, we've been Christians for such a long time. And uh, <clears throat> maybe we've grown stale or cold in our walk with you. And we realize that. Praise you for that. That you bring that to our attention to let us know something's wrong. We are not walking in step with you. We've let other things get in the way. We've had other gods before you. Lord, as we make commitments, as we resolve to do what Christ said, to love you, to love you in holiness, to love you with an exclusive and all-inclusive love, you would guide us. Lord, teach us how to love. Some of us may say, I don't know how to love God. Teach us to do that. Lord, I, I've got so many things that, that are clamoring for my attention, so many things I'm giving my attention to. Help us to see how there's a way forward through it all, how we can love you and love neighbor. Lord, any sin in our lives that need to be killed, give us the courage, the desire, empower us through your spirit, your word, to put it to death. Lord, inflame our hearts with love. Teach us to love and then inflame us with love for you so that it's not just this, this mental love, but it's, it's a love that just is consuming. We, want to, we love you. We want to be with you. We want to please you. We want to serve you. Lord, we're just like um, Jonathan Edwards. We know that apart from you doing this in our lives we're just spinning our wheels so Lord be glorified in us in Christ's name Amen I'd like for us to stand and sing all three verses of this song not to drag anything on but to give us an opportunity to pray maybe these words are what you need to pray whatever you need to pray just respond to the Lord
be seated for just a moment. I want to update you on some on our prayer list a little bit. Um, Barbara Griffin, that is uh, Pam Shanklin's mother, is she's not doing well. Um, you know, recently she uh, broke her leg and um, was not doing well with some of the therapy and things that were needed. Uh, but um, help me, Brandon. Aaron, I'm trying to remember. Um, well, she's in ICU and she is not doing well. Um, and so Jack and Pam are there with her. Um, I really don't expect her to pull through. They're, so, they're heading that way right now. okay, they're heading that. Okay. So not getting good reports. Okay, so at this point, they're, they're talking about palliative care. Um, also, uh, I'm sure you probably heard uh, Jesse Rodriguez is not doing well. They put him on hospice, so, so pray for Jesse. Um, Deacons, help me remember, who else did we mention this morning? Pam Durst, yes. Can you let us know about Pam? Yes. She leads the Lano Women's Bible Study. Um, and then, oh, Florence. Yes, Nail's sister, not doing well. And then, where's Ken? Oh, and Ken's sister, Doris Thompson. You need to put her on the prayer list. Um, she fell and <clears throat> unfortunately got stuck between office chair and the wall. Didn't have a cell phone. Was there for quite a while. Um, so she's in the hospital um, and uh, not doing well. She's out in Midland, so Ken's going to head out there and, and see her. A any other updates you want to pass along? Okay. All right. Well, let's stand. We'll have a closing word of prayer. We'll say the Great Commission and be dismissed. Father, we lift up these that have been mentioned this morning, all of those that are on the list. Uh, and, Father, we know that uh, there's especially with Barbara Griffin and Jesse Rodriguez, that things don't look good. Pray for both families. Uh, Lord, we pray um, that if there's an issue of salvation, um, Lord, that there be someone who can share the gospel. And for those that, that already are Christians, I'm just grateful that they have you uh, to walk with them through the valley of the shadow of death. Uh, pray for those that have gotten a bad diagnosis, like Pam Durst, and uh, pray that you would continue to bless um, those who working on her with her care and Lord for all of those that are on our list for whatever reason they are on our list you know we ask that you in accordance with your will meet their need in abundance that they might know that you are God the only God and that you can do all things Lord we love you we praise you it's in Christ's name amen let's say the great commission together and Jesus came and said to them